Don't push back on the supernatural opportunities God's bringing you. The world is going to tell you what you can't do. Satan is going to tell you what you can't do. You don't also need to be in agreement with those voices. Instead, you need to agree with what God says about you. If God approves you, then approve yourself. If God chose you, then choose yourself. If God believes in you, then you should believe in yourself. Welcome to Living Word, growing a family that experiences every promise of God. You're listening to another life-changing word from Pastor Jason Anderson. For more information, visit our website at livingwordonline.com. Let's pray and get right into this morning. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for this time. Open up our hearts to receive your word. Your word is manna, it's bread, it's practical. We can use it this week. Lord, your word is seed. It's planted deep in the good soil of our hearts, produces fruit and life in us and changes us, grows us from the inside, sets us free. Holy Spirit, be our teacher. Teach us what we need to know. Prepare us for what is coming in our lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Well, today I want to talk to you about Jesus is still growing you. Be happy where you are now and hopeful about where you're going. It says in Psalms chapter 52 and verse 8, But I am like an olive tree, flourishing in the house of God. You know, a tree is only one of the only living things on the planet that never stops growing. In the same way, God is saying, you're like an olive tree. You're growing. You're not finished yet. Things are still happening in your life. There's different seasons of growth that you're going to go through. Those addictions that you've been living with, that you've been struggling with, they're not going to be there forever. You're still growing. That uh, feeling of being alone and you say, oh, I'm going to always be alone. No, you won't. You're still growing. Things are changing. God is positioning you. God is growing you from the inside out. You say, well, I'll probably always have this sickness. No, you won't. Don't say that anymore. God is growing you. Chains are being broken off of you. God was saying this. He was saying the same way that you are today is not how you're going to be next year. Your marriage might be one way right now, but next year it'll be different. Why? Because you're planted in God's house. You are like an olive tree and you are flourishing in the house of God. That's what God's doing to you. As long as you're hearing that word and you're receiving that good water into your root system, you're growing. You're not the same today as you were yesterday. You won't be the same tomorrow as you are today. God is moving on your behalf. And here's the problem. A lot of times people are limiting their own lives and what they say about themselves. Being down on yourself. Feeling like you're not good enough. Like you're less than. And this voice can come to us in a lot of different ways, right? I'm such an idiot. Why do I still have this temper? I'll never get rid of this addiction. I'll always be alone. I can't do that. I can't go back to school. I'm not good enough for that. When we have that voice in our lives, we limit our own future. Doors of opportunity open up that we won't walk through. The call of God comes to us in our life but we push it away. That's not for me. I'm not good enough for that. Listen, you're still growing. Don't push back on the supernatural opportunities God's bringing you. The world is going to tell you what you can't do. Satan is going to tell you what you can't do. You don't also need to be in agreement with those voices. 
Instead, you need to agree with what God says about you. If God approves you, then approve yourself. If God chose you, then choose yourself. If God believes in you, then you should believe in yourself. We got to learn to stop the negative voices and start to recognize I'm still a work in progress. So often we look at the mess and we don't look at the progress. It's better to look at the progress than to look at the mess. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus' first interaction with Peter. And, and Jesus preaches a word, and then Peter's got his boat there. And Jesus says to Peter, I want you to put your boat out into the sea and fish some more. And, and Peter says, listen, I fished all night. I didn't catch nothing. And so, but he does. He, he puts his boat out in there into the sea, and he has this huge catch. Like, it's a big miracle. It's a lot of money coming into his world. It's this massive gift of goodness. It's a miracle that happens in his life. And this is what Peter says to Jesus. It says that he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. And this is that voice of self-doubt. It comes to us sometimes in the form of regret. Well, you don't know what I've done. You don't know the mistakes that I've made. I can't do this. You see, a door of opportunity just opened up to Peter. This is a pivotal moment in his life. In fact, I would say this is a destiny moment in his life. The day before when he was fishing was not a destiny moment. Last week in Peter's life was not a destiny moment. But destiny moments came, come along sometimes. It might not be tomorrow, but you don't know that Tuesday might be a destiny moment where God is going to have you cross paths with someone critical and pivotal in your future, where the call of God's going to happen, where a burning bush is going to happen in your life. A vision, a dream is going to come to you. And this is Peter's moment where Jesus was saying, I'm choosing you to lead my church. You're going to be one of my disciples and you're going to take over when I'm gone. You're the dude, Peter. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. But what does our self-doubt do? Our self-doubt looks at Jesus and says, I need you to move away. Go away from me. I'm a wicked man. Sometimes that voice comes to us not only as our past and what we've done and why we don't deserve something, but sometimes our, 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 uh, critical spirit comes out in us and says, but you can't. You're not ready. You can't do this. How are you going to do this? The door of open, opportunity opens up and you say, I'm not ready for that. But here's the way God works is he opens the door of opportunity up. When you walk in, now the growing process begins. Now he starts getting you ready. It's a step of faith. Peter, is Peter ready to start following Christ, become a disciple and start doing the, the stuff that Christ wants him to do? Absolutely not. He's totally not ready. He's just meeting Jesus for the first time. And yet he's got to walk through the door so that the process can begin. Now, Peter, you're like an olive tree. Now you're going to begin to grow. You're going to grow into the things that God has called you to do. What is Peter going to do? In, within four years, he's going to be healing the sick. Within four years, he's going to be planting the church, raising up other churches, training up leaders. Within four years, Jesus is going to die and resurrect, and Peter is going to raise the dead. It is said that Peter would walk down. If you said to Peter, listen, Peter, in four years, you're going to walk down the streets, and they'll lay the sick out along the street so that when your shadow touches them, they're going to get healed. See, you don't know what Jesus knows about your capability. He knows your potential. He's calling you through the door because he doesn't. It's not about what he sees you can do right now. It's about what he knows you're going to do. Somebody say amen. What's he up to? He's growing us. What's our job? 
to stop saying no with that self-doubt. Listen, Jesus is the carpenter and he's building you. Hebrews chapter three says he's building his house. You're that house that he's building. He's not done with you yet. Stop looking at the mess and look at the progress. Listen to David's inner monologue. David's inner monologue. David, I love it. He goes, I'm like a green olive tree flourishing in the house of my God. He wasn't talking down to himself, bad about himself. He didn't say, well, my dad doesn't like me. My brothers don't like me. I'm just a shepherd boy. I'll probably never be anything. I know I got anointed to be king, but I mean, when's that really going to happen? I'm probably not worthy. God can't use me. That wasn't David's voice, was it? David had a different kind of voice. He said this in Psalms uh, chapter 18 and verse 29, because of God, I can run through a troop. Because of my helper, the Lord, I can leap over a wall. You see, because of God, I can. Do you see that? We need to take on that same, uh, that same kind of phrasing in our life, that same kind of belief system. Because of God, I can. Not I can't. I'll never be enough. I'm not smart enough. I got rejected. I had a bad start, pastor. I got rejected as a kid, a lot of abuse. It's going to be harder on me. No, David didn't do that. David said, because of God, I can. I can run through a troop. In the ancient his, uh, wars, when there was a battle happening, the, the enemy battle line, the greatest warriors would break through that battle line and run right past the, the, the front. And they would charge all the way to the city walls. They were trying to take a city. They had to get over the wall. And the greatest warriors would take the city from the inside. The regular soldiers would stand back, but the strongest of them would break through that line. He would run through the troop, and then when he got to the wall, he would leap over the wall because he was saying, I'm the greatest of all the soldiers on the battlefield. I'm the warrior. I'm the one that victory is coming to. Do you see what David was saying? He was like, I'm it, man. He believed in himself. He was like Muhammad Ali, man. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. I'm going to take you down, Satan. He didn't have self-doubt. And when he got to the battlefield against Goliath, and he was just a boy. He wasn't even old enough to be a soldier. And he wasn't a soldier. He was just a shepherd boy. And, and he started to see Goliath defiling the army of God. And Goliath, this big giant, all the other soldiers sat on the sideline, didn't do anything, scared. I can't do it. I'm not enough. But not David. He said, I'm going to kill that dude. I'm going to take him down. His older brother, Eliab, said, where's those few sheep that you're supposed to be watching? really putting him down like, you're just a shepherd boy. You're not a soldier. What are you talking about? But David didn't listen to that voice. And sometimes that's the voice that's on the inside of us. You can't do it. You're not good enough. You're such an idiot. You're so, you still have anger. God's not going to use you. God to use them. God's not going to use you. And what did David do? He turned from, away from that voice and he kept talking about, I'm going I'm to fight that dude. I'm going to take on that Goliath. So much so that the king called him in, King Saul. Now, King Saul should have been fighting Goliath. King Saul was the tallest, like me. He was one of the tallest in the, in the land. And, but he didn't fight Goliath. But instead, he said to David, you can't do it. You're just a kid. These are the voices that happen in our lives. You're just a shepherd boy. You're just a, and then fill in the blank. You're just a this. And something, something the weak comes out. You're, just, you're too young is what, you're too old. We say these kinds of things, but these things are not true. We need to take on David's inner monologue. I could run through a troop because of God. I can leap over a wall. And, and, and so when, when God visited Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1 and called him to be a prophet, he said this. He said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and I chose you to be a prophet to the nations. 
What was he saying? He was saying, God, God was saying, I chose you before you hit the planet. I already determined what you can do and what you're called to do. I made you. I know. Don't tell me what you can't. You know what Jeremiah said? He said, I'm just a child. I can't speak. And God said this to Jeremiah. So that's that self-doubt. It always comes and tries to close the door of opportunity by saying, I can't do it. You've got the wrong person. You know, God doesn't have the wrong person. He didn't make a mistake. He, he wasn't up in heaven going, wait, is that, uh, that's Jeremy, right? Like, no, that's Jeremiah. Oh, Gabriel, he gave me the wrong guy. Where's Jeremy at? That's the one I want. No, he didn't make a mistake when he called you. He knows exactly how he built you, and he chose you. He chose Jeremiah, and he said this, Jeremiah, do not say I am only a child. He was saying one of the keys to stop saying no to God's calling and God's opportunity and supernatural doors that open in your life, one of the keys is to stop saying it. Stop saying that you're not enough, that you can't do it. Instead, say what God says. And this is what God said to Jeremiah. I will build you. You see, he was going to walk through the door of opportunity and say yes to God, and then the growing process would start. He said, I will build you into a fortified city. I'm going to make you into an iron pillar. I'm going to build you into a bronze wall. See, you're like a tree flourishing in the house of God. Jeremiah, you're not done yet, but you're, I'm going to grow you. See, you're not finished yet, but God's going to grow you. Now get happy with who you are right now in this moment. And so David runs at the giant. But before he does that, before he fights him, I want you to see what happens. It says in 1 Samuel chapter 17, Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. So he's dressing him up like a warrior. He put on a coat of armor on him, bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around. But because he was not used to them, he said this, I cannot go in these. He said to Saul, because I am not used to them, right? It's like, this is not me. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand. It's, it's very critical that we see this. What kind of staff was it? A shepherd's staff. He took his shepherd's staff in his hand. And then he chose five smooth stones. And he put them in his shepherd's bag. Got my shepherd's staff and I got my shepherd's bag. What did he have to do? He had to take off what other people said about him. What everyone else put on him, you're just a shepherd. You can't do it. You're just a kid. You know, people are going to say stuff about you to try and limit you, but don't limit yourself. you got enough against you for you to be against yourself. If God is for you, then why would you want to be against yourself? Take off the limits of what other people try and put on you. They said you can't do it, but that doesn't mean that you can't do it. They didn't create you. You are a treasure inside of a jar of clay. Maybe they're just seeing the jar of clay, but your God sees the treasure. He already knows that what you can do. He's in you. And so you take off the things that they try and put on you. And then you grab a hold of who you are. This is who God made me to be. And the rest of the world might say, you're just a shepherd boy. But I'm going to take my shepherd boy staff, and I'm going to take my shepherd boy pouch, and I'm going to go and show you what a shepherd boy can do when he partners with the God of this universe. And he walks over and he says, today, right? He ran it, Dave. You know he ran it, Goliath? He ran a Goliath. He said, he said, you come at me with sword and spear, but I come at you in the name of the Lord, the God of the armies of Israel. And today I will knock you down and I will cut your head off and I will feed your carcass to the birds. 
talks like that anymore. Look at how he talks about himself. This is what's going down, nine-foot Goliath. I'm going to kill you, man. I can. You see, that kind of monologue is the kind of inner voice that takes the limits off and begins to step into all that God has for you. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 5 that says this, that you also are like living stones. Say living stones. Are being built into a spiritual house, into the house of God. You're being built. You're not all the way built yet, but you're being built. You're being strengthened right now. You're having bonds and chains come off of you in this moment. The Spirit of the Lord is breathing life into the seed of God, and you're growing. The way that you were is not how you're going to be. What's he doing? He's building you, but a living stone is, 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 you know, in the world, they build out of bricks. Everything's conformed and baked and it's molded so that it's easier to stack, but that's not how God builds. In fact, in the Old Testament, when you build an altar to the Lord, you had to use stones. You couldn't use it. He forbid you to use bricks. And you're like those living stones. Every, every single stone is so unique and different. Those two stones are alike. Different colors, different shapes, different sizes. You're a stone. You're unique. There's no one like you. And you fit exactly the way you're supposed to fit. In fact, the Bible says in the Old Testament, you were not allowed to use any kind of a tool to mark the stone that would be used in the altar. You're not meant to have tools applied to you and be shaped and carved into some conformed thing. You were never designed to conform to this world. Sure, you might fit in better, but God didn't build you to fit in. He built you to stand out. Sure, you're a little weird. You're a little eccentric. You're odd. You're not like everybody else. But those are the qualities that make you great. They make you beautiful. They make you wonderful. Embrace the weirdness of you. You, So you like Dr. Who? Who cares? You're awesome. <laughs> I, you know, my whole, my whole preaching life, which has been a lot of years, I'm not really into my own preaching voice. I hear myself preach, on, on, and I don't, I don't, I want Leon Fontaine's voice. That's the voice I want. I want Leon, like, God, why couldn't I have Leon? Have you heard Leon Fontaine speak? Oh, it's beautiful. Everything he says is just wonderful, the way he talks. I was, I was, uh, I saw this uh, commercial for uh, the Bible being read to you. Have you, have you seen these where you can get the Bible audio and someone will read you the Bible? But this was James Earl Jones' voice. It's a beautiful voice. And I was listening to it. It was like speaking the word of God. I was like, oh, I wish I had that voice. And then it dawned on me. Uh, I was like, I recognize the voice. That's the voice of Darth Vader. Yeah. And suddenly I was like, I don't know if I want Darth Vader reading the Bible to me all night long. You know? I find your lack of faith disturbing, Captain. <laughs> you know who else has a really unique voice is Brian Johnson, the lead singer of ACDC. Very unique voice, like James Earl Jones, but, but different. You know, do you know the voice? I'm wow, hi, back in the black, what you say? What you want? you You know, his voice is so unique. Imagine him, like, reading the Bible to you. What if they use that voice, you know? In the beginning, God said, let there be light. That would have been a great preacher voice. 
Why didn't I get that preacher voice? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean it not unto the own understanding. See, I think, I think that that's the preaching voice I wanted. <laughs> you know, not, no matter how unique, but both their voices are completely different. Both their voices are very unique. And I don't know if Brian Johnson got made fun of as a kid, you know, for having a voice like that. I don't know. Brian Johnson, are you here? He's like, here! You know, as a kid, you know, maybe other kids made fun of him. But he used his unique quality. And James Earl Jones used their unique. See, God will take the unique things about you and use them to promote you and elevate. Sometimes the same thing you don't like about yourself is the same thing God wants to use to show you greatness and promotion. What's our job? To stop being mad about ourselves and putting ourselves down. Stop being so hard on ourselves. Every spring, an olive tree will, will have blossoms. And it goes through all these you know, different seasons that it has. In the spring, it'll blossom. And from that blossom, it makes a decision. Is that blossom going to be fruit or is it going to be new growth? And here's the thing about olive trees is that it'll sense the, the soil and sense the season a little bit, and it'll make a decision. It can't produce growth and fruit in the same season. It kind of has to make a choice. It can have a lot of fruit and a little growth, or it can have a lot of growth and a little or no fruit. And it's the same thing for you. Don't be frustrated when you're not producing fruit. There are seasons when you're not going to see a lot of fruit in your life. In fact, an olive tree doesn't produce any fruit for the first four or five years. It will just grow. Be happy with growing. Growing is also a wonderful thing, not just producing fruit. And you might see other people, wow, look at their fruit. Look at their fruit. Why, do they, why is everything working for them and not for me? It's okay. This is your season to grow. Be happy in whatever season that you're in. I was driving Christian home uh, in Kenzie. I was driving the big truck, and they had their car that they were bringing back, and I had the truck full of stuff. And it was 10 hours that first day driving this big and, and that's how it sounded, if you're wondering. It's this huge you know, diesel rig or whatever. And, uh, and I came out of Seattle towards Yakima and I kind of came over this ridge and, and all of a sudden the sun was coming up and there was these kind of mountains with some snow on them. And then down below that was all this green. There was a lake and the, the sun was reflecting off the lake. And there was orange and brown and red leaves on some of the trees on this side. And it was breathtaking. As I came over the trees, I was like, wow, that's beautiful. You know, I could have been looking at the road and how bumpy it was. I could have been smelling the smells of the gasoline that I could smell in, inside the truck. I could have been annoyed by the bumpiness and the cars speeding by. I wasn't at the end of my journey yet. I wasn't finished. I had a long ways to go. I still had about 20 hours to drive at this point. I wasn't done, but I saw beauty in that moment. Just like a tree. A tree might have moments of different kinds of beauty. A tree has green leaves. Oh, it's beautiful. It has those red brown leaves. Oh, isn't that stunning? We take a picture of the fall. But then the leaves fall off and suddenly there's snow on the ground and we see that white and that's beautiful too. We have to learn that Though we're not finished, we didn't get to the finish line yet, you're not perfect yet. We have to learn how to enjoy the moments that we're in, to recognize the beauty of the season where you are right now. 
You're still hopeful about the future. You're not settling where you are. You know that there's something better ahead, but you're learning how to be content in this moment with how you look right now. And people might get down on you, but don't get down on yourself. You just simply say, listen, I ain't perfect yet, but I'm a work in progress. I'm flourishing in the courts of my God. You start accepting those moments. My daughter makes the best cookies you've ever had. Oh my gosh, she makes chocolate chip cookies. She'll take a photo and send it to the whole family chat when she just first starts making a cookie. She makes making the cookies. and so I, I don't know where I am, but I start driving home. I'm like, well, she's making cookies. <laughs> and one of the things that she'll do is she'll take that cookie dough after she's done with it, and she walks around. She gets a little spoonful, and she'll walk in and find each one of us one at a time. She'll come in and find me, and she'll be like, Dad, look, I brought you some cookie dough. It's always a spoonful of cookie dough. I eat it. Oh, it's so good. Sometimes it has chocolate chips in it. Sometimes the chips aren't even in it yet. You never know what kind of stage it's going to be, but it's wonderful. Then she'll, of course, put the cookies in and start baking them. You know, you could stop and grab a cookie before it's done. It could still be gooey on the inside. Throw a little scoop of ice cream on that. Oh, that's still wonderful. Come on, somebody. Or you could wait till it's all done. You get that cookie out there, you dip it in a little bit of milk. Oh, it's wonderful. No matter what stage it's at, there is a beauty and a delicious, there's a wonderfulness. You're like cookie dough. Listen, you're not baked fully. You're not all the way done. But every stage along the way, you are absolutely, I am delicious. Exactly as I am. <laughs> Amen. You know, Moses was still cookie dough when he got the burning bush call. He was still cookie dough. He wasn't ready. And so God said, you're going you're gonna to lead my people. And he said, no, I'm not. He said, I can't even speak. God said, who gives people their mouth? Why do we tell God no as though we know more about ourselves than he knows about us? We shouldn't tell him no. He's like, I made your mouth, man. I didn't make a mistake here. Then Moses said, please go find someone else. Our self-doubt, it tries to close those supernatural doors of opportunity. But I love how Jesus wouldn't take no for an answer with Peter. Peter is like, away from me for I'm a sinful man. Jesus is like, I ain't going nowhere. I'm staying with you. When, when, when Moses said, find someone else, God didn't go, okay, I'll find someone else. He goes, no, it's got to be you. He didn't give up. He didn't say, well, I'll find someone else. Let me just find someone else. Anybody can do No, not anybody can do this. It had to be Moses. It had to be Peter. Well, Peter denied Jesus. Well, I'm not going to find someone else. I still have to go chase him down. This relentless God who has relentless love for you, when you say no to him, I want you to know he doesn't take no for an answer. And there are people who are in this church today, people who are watching online, people in the parking lot. I believe that you know what I'm talking about. God has been chasing you with relentless love. He's opened doors of opportunity up for you, and you keep saying no, but he's not giving up on you. He's still on you. You're like, how many times do I have to say no to God keeps chasing me? He's chasing me down. How many times do I have to say no? Listen, God doesn't take no for an answer. Why? Because he chose you. It has to be be you. He's not looking for somebody different. He wants you. And he's chasing you down with his relentless love until you say yes. And today, I want you to know, is the day when you silence that voice of self-doubt, of putting yourself down. You get rid of the hammer that beats yourself up all the time and tries to mark up your living stone. No, instead, you start to realize the way God created me, I'm beautiful. I'm still growing. I may be a mess, but I'm not looking at the mess. I'm seeing the work in progress. When they came to John the Baptist and they said to John the Baptist as he was baptizing at the Jordan River, they said, who are you? And John answered in a strange way. 
They said, are you Elijah? Are you the Messiah? He said, no. I am the one, the voice calling out in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. John went to the scripture to identify himself. We have to do this. Go to the word of God to identify ourselves. What does God say about you needs to be what you say about yourself. It says this in, in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and, and verse 5. Do you not realize? Examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize this about yourself? That Jesus Christ is in you. Don't you realize that? So many people trying to figure out who they are. And so you search for yourself, but you'll never find yourself that way. No, you were hidden in Christ. If I said you're hidden in the closet, wouldn't you go to the closet to find yourself? If I say you're hidden in Christ, or God, your creator, says you're hidden in Christ, then where do you go to find yourself? Stop looking for yourself and start looking for Christ. The Bible says that when I look at his glory, Jesus, I'm being transformed into that same image. In other words, the Bible is like a mirror. When I look at who Jesus is, I start to see who I am. Why? Because you're realizing that Christ is in you. He's in you. The deepest part of you is actually Jesus. Did Jesus have self-doubt? Did he walk around putting himself down? No, think about how Jesus talked about himself. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor, to set the captives free, to release bondage for the prisoners, to give sight to the blind. Jesus knew that he was the resurrection. And they came to him once and they were talking about Solomon. And, and Jesus said, listen, people traveled a great distance to hear the wisdom of Solomon. But I tell you the truth, there's somebody smarter than Solomon right in front of you right now. He knew who he was. He didn't have self-doubt. In the same way, the deepest part of you doesn't want to have self-doubt. It wants to be in agreement with what Jesus says about you. And so every time those negative thoughts come to you, I want you to do this instead. I want you to say, I'm strong, I'm brave, I'm courageous. My God is building me into a fortified city, an iron pillar, and a bronze wall. He has appointed me above kingdoms and above nations. He has made me the head and not the tail. He has declared that I am a king and I am a priest. I may have some clay, but there's treasure in jars of clay. And don't say this. Don't say, don't say, oh, the weight of the world is upon me. Depression is upon me. Sickness is upon me. Don't say that. Instead, say the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me for great things in my future. He's growing me up. I'm not finished yet, but I'm like a tree flourishing in the courts of my God in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. If you receive it, shout out. I believe it. Amen. Thanks for watching. Let me ask you a question. If you were to face eternity today, do you know what eternity might look like for you? And would you have peace with Father God? Here's the good news. God has already offered the free gift of salvation through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. If you're ready to put your faith in His Son, Jesus, step into a new life and out of an old life, then say this prayer with me. Dear Father God, forgive me of sin. And Jesus, I believe in you. 
I believe you're the Son of God who died for sin and rose from the dead. Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you said that prayer for the first time, you just stepped into an eternal life. Get involved in a good Bible-believing church. God bless you.